Wes always, every Sunday morning, sends us a list of the songs that are going to be played. And when he sent me that list, I really felt the Holy Spirit rise up on the inside of me and say, ask him to switch the last two songs. And as far as I can remember, Wes, I've never done that. I don't want to make a habit out of it either because I know that he, <laughs> the Lord leads him, but I feel like the Holy Spirit told, told me to ask, ask to switch those two because this is the word that he kept bringing into my spirit ever since I got up this morning. And I mean the minute I woke up this morning was that there are people that are here today that you are not living, you are just existing. And the reason Jesus came was so that we could be alive. And alive is not just your blood pumping and your lungs working and your body moving, but I'm talking about alive on the inside. A burning on the inside of you that gives you a reason, not just a reason, but gets you on your feet every morning. And not just seeing a day in front of you, but seeing the potential in that day. And to see all the opportunities and all the blessings and everything that God has done for you already just when your eyelids came open. And I believe that God wants to encourage us today and is going to encourage us today that in Him, I'm alive. I'm not just existing, I'm alive. And I believe that the Lord wants to encourage you today in this word because I was, as worship was going on, uh, Psalms 107 and 20, He said that He sent His word and he healed them and delivered us from all of our destruction. The ideal with healing is not just in your physical body, but spirit, soul, and body. For you to be alive and to exist and to have joy and to have peace and to know that you're born again and to know that all the things that we might face in this world is just a small thing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. But not when we get to heaven, but right now. That glory should be revealed in you this moment, in this worship set. To Kayla wasn't, she didn't practice that today. I, that's not what they do when they get here early. But you see, that's what being alive is. When you just can't stand it. You get to the, to the point of the I don't cares anymore. The can't stand it's and I don't cares. And God wants you to be alive today. And that's what this word is going to be about. If you'd like to be seated. Thank you, worship team. It's real. I almost don't know if I should preach. <laughs> I got a lot of volunteers <laughs> to take my place. Because when you're in the presence of the Lord like that, oh my goodness. What can replace that? But his word's important, right? Uh because I say this a lot, but you know what? When you leave here and all the feelings subside, you need to have something to scotch you. Amen? So uh, we need to get into the Word. 
But I'm so thankful for the presence of, of God that it was good. It's been good to be here. And as I was reading the other here a while back uh, in, in that song, uh, it said, and just like Lazarus, he brought, brought him back to life. And I remember reading that story. And after Lazarus was raised from the dead, obviously it made the religious crowd very angry. And I thought it was so funny at the end of that chapter, they said, and they conspired about putting Lazarus to death. I thought, who was Einstein that come up with that idea? I mean, this guy just raised him from the dead, and your, and your bright idea is to kill him? I mean, anyways, I just thought that was, you know, they are to, probably should have thought before they talked on that. Acts chapter 17, if you want to be turning there. We got vacation Bible school tomorrow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Lots of life tomorrow. Um, so when I say be praying for us, that's not just religious jargon. Uh, we want to minister to these kids. If there's going to be uh, children here that don't go to church here, we want to, well, and if they do go to church here, we want to show the love of Jesus Christ to them. There are some kids that are a little bit more challenging uh, than others, but we love them too. And uh, me and Brother David got uh, a dose of a couple last year uh, that we uh, had to practice grace and mercy. <laughs> but they need love too, right? And they need the love of Jesus Christ. And they're worth it. They're worth it. Man, kids are so fun. They're so innocent. And uh, we just want to start right now by putting the Word of God on the inside of them before this world gets to them. And we're going to start putting the Word on the inside of them and raising them up to be mighty men and women of God. Acts chapter 17, I titled, I, I didn't title this, God titled this, gave this to me earlier in the week, and I know it was on the uh, social media on our church page, uh, I just saw it said, in him. And a lot of times in ministry, you will find that a lot of ministers will say, well, that's already been covered. I better find something else. But the reality is sometimes we need to just take that as a confirmation that God's trying to talk to us. And especially after Wednesday night. How many was here Wednesday night? Okay. That word on patience, um, there was one part there that just stuck with me, which I probably, when I say this, everybody's going to agree with me that was here. When Pastor, uh, I, I don't know who, who it was that said it, but throw the calendar away. Man, that hit me like a ton of bricks because so many times I've been, you know, okay, God, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. God doesn't work on that calendar. And when we stay in Him, we realize that there really is no timetable in when God, what God's doing. I mean, do you, want, do you want to try to pick your fruit before it's ready? No, it won't taste right. It won't be right. You've got to wait till it matures. That's why we're going to stay in Him. In Him, there's hope. Expectant, expectancy. Acts chapter 17 we're going to start in verses uh, in 22, and we're going to go all the way through verse 30. <clears throat> I'm going to read now the King James Version if you have a device. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, 
I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. And I want to say this, and this is not belittling anyone, but this is really where a lot of church-going people are when it comes to God, is they don't know a whole lot about Him. They know they've come by the way of salvation. They've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. They believe that He's the Son of God. They believe that God raised Him from the dead. But outside of that, that's all they know. And God has given us His word that we, He's not the unknown God to us. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He is the known God to us. We can know about him. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. Paul said, Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And hath determined that the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And this is really the area that I, that I feel like the Lord has been dealing with me on this week is in verses 27 through 30. He said that they should, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him. You know, the Bible says that if we knock, the door will be open to us. If we seek, we would find, right? Though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we're going to dissect this here in just a second because that's, I want to put a little bit more on that there. I'm not saying Paul did not do a good job there, but we don't need to just read past that's what I'm saying. That we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's devices. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Would you pray with me this morning? Father... I realize today that all you need from me is my voice box. And I pray, Lord, right now that I set myself to the side and I ask that the anointing come, double portion right now, not, God, not to perform, not just so people can walk away and say, wasn't that good, but, God, that lives can be changed, that the word can penetrate their heart, God, and it's going to change them, it's going to change their family, it's going to change the generations after them because of the word that they hear today that penetrates their heart. And Father, we're believing that this is going to produce God a harvest, and we thank you, Father, in advance for what you're doing here today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we want to key in here on verses 28 through 30, and there is a couple of words, in, or maybe a word or two words in each one of these verses that I felt like the Lord was wanting me to kind of elaborate on. And in verse, uh, you know, verses starting in 28, it says this, In him we live and move and have our being. But there's a lot of times I like to break that down and say this, In him we live, in him we move, 
in him we have our being. The whole key there is in him. I've got to be in him. Now the word there, uh, in him we live, the word live there obviously uh, means to be quick, which means to be made alive. Made alive. The word move means to be roused to activity. And the word have our being was actually one word in the Greek, which means that, it means that we are, and actually a semicolon there, to have hope. So I believe that we could take all this and kind of put it in our terms today with God. Because of Jesus Christ, I'm not just existing, but I'm alive. And I'm actively moving forward because I place my hope in him. I'm not remaining stagnant. I'm not subject to all the things that unbelievers are subject to. Because if I am in him, I'm alive, I'm active, and, and I'm progressively moving forward because I am in him. The word offspring there in verse 28, and I know that we kind of know what these words already mean. This is not groundbreaking things here. I realize that. But, th you know, when you put a word or a definition with a word, it just kind of brings it to life. Uh, so the word offspring means to be kin or stock. And I'm not talking like cattle, but you're, a, you're the stock or it means like a lineage. That puts it different. When I say I'm the offspring of God, that means I'm of his lineage. I can go so far as to say that he is my father. And, and this really makes a lot of religious minds mad today to say this, that he is my dad. He's my dad. You know, when you call somebody, and, and Audrey does this, and she's not with us here today. She's, she's trying to adult, and she's staying where she moved to and trying to find a new church, and I don't like that. She needs to be here. <laughs> my mind's kind of there a little bit today. But... When I think about that, about him being my dad, and, and Audrey will do this, she'll, just to get on my nerves sometimes, she'll say, Father. <laughs> now, Father. <laughs> but I know when she needs something, she'll call and she'll say, Dad. Or she wants something's very important to her, she addresses me as Dad. So it puts it more in an intimate part there. But I'm of his lineage. I'm his offspring. You are his offspring. Are you a believer? Would you raise your hand? Are you a believer? Then you're his offspring. You're of his lineage. He is your father. He is your dad. And I'm not talking about being irreverent, okay? That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, anything other than just saying this is the attitude of the heart that we need to take when we're looking at God as he's that close that I can call him my dad, my father. Let's look at verse 29. And he said, uh, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's devices. Let's break down that word devices. Device there means to uh, have thought or deliberation. And the word deliberation, and I know, like I said, I know you know what these mean, but I'm just going to put a definition with this. It's the act of thinking, discussing, and deciding. 
So when I call myself of the lineage of God and he's my father and I'm of the stock of God, if you could say that, that means that I should think differently. I should discuss things differently. And I should make decisions differently than the rest of the unbelieving world. The word in verse 30, he said this, that God winked at ignorance. Now, I've learned this much in Arkansas. You do not run around calling folks ignorant. That'll get you in trouble. But we know here that the word ignorance really means it's not about you're dumb or you're stupid and you can't learn. It means a lack of understanding or uninformed. You know, there's some things that I can't do. It's not because I can't do them. It's just I've, been, I've not been informed on how to do it. And that's what the Word of God is for, is it informs us on what, what we can and can't, can't do. But discussing, how I discuss things, uh, even in my mind when I come to situations, how am I discussing these, and, and definitely uh, the decisions that I'm making. Because I'm of his offspring. I shouldn't be deciding things like the rest of the world does. I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm not saying you are better than them. But there should be something different. If I'm of his offspring, when somebody, uh, when somebody knows someone and they're well in the community as far as well-known, they got a good reputation, and somebody comes up and says, yeah, my dad is so-and-so, immediately they get an idea of what the probability that that person should be because of the person that they've grew up around. And that's when we call ourselves Christian or we call ourselves believer, automatically the world has an idea of what we should be, the way we should be thinking, the way that we should be discussing things, and definitely the way we are deciding things. Let's look at verse 30 there also when we talked about ignorance. Um, I think I, I'm, somehow I moved back up to devices. Uh, but anyways, ignorance is the lack of understanding, uninformed. Uh, it, gave this, it gave this synonym uneducated, which we know is the opposite of that is educated. But I like the way that it um, defined educate was to give character to. When I'm informed of what God's word says about me, and I become alive, and I'm his offspring, and I start thinking, discussing, and deciding. I'm not ignorant anymore. I've become educated to what God has put on the inside of me, and it gives character to who I am. So to us who call ourselves believers, he should not be the unknown God. And I'm not saying that to rake you across the coals or to make you feel bad. I'm saying that it should bring joy to your life if you don't know this. It should bring happiness and peace to your life to know that I can open up this word. Now, certainly we come here and we feel God's presence. That's a confirmation too. I'm not taking anything away from that. But when I can open this word and I can read what God says about me and I can read what I can do and I can read about what I can have and I read in here that I'm not subject to things that the rest of the unbelieving world is. I might be subject to them, but they don't have the final decision and the final authority over my life then that gives me character. That gives me, he's not the unknown God anymore. I can know him. 
So let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm trying to stay in teaching mode here, okay? And I know it's okay to preach, but I just feel like I need to try to stay in teaching mode here. This is always a passage that <clears throat> when prior in my life, we would read through this and we would always stop um, at verse 9. But Paul here, let, let, let's go ahead and start in verse 9. Paul is quoting Old Testament scripture here. Because he said, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things, that, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And they, we would stop right there. And that's where a lot of quote, unquote, believers are, is, well, we'll figure it out in the sweet by and by. And that he must be talking about heaven there. Well, I'm sure it's hard for our, our physical minds to try to comprehend what heaven or what Jesus went away to prepare for us, what that's going to be like. I, that is a truth. But what he is talking about is right here on this earth. He said, because in verse 10, if you move on, he says, but, that changes everything. He said, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. So we can understand here that people say, well, you know, I can't see, ear can't hear. We can't even comprehend it and just leave it there. Well, let me tell you something. That's the easy thing to do. People will understand when you become, and they say, well, you're one of the, you're word bound have you ever heard that? I heard that the other day. You, you folks are just word bound. And I'm like, absolutely. I mean, what else am I going to go off of? My feelings? That's got me in trouble the majority of my life, Bubba. So the word says here that he, could, he reveals those things that some people are not diving into. That he, his spirit will reveal that to me. Because the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. God is not this infamous being that doesn't want you to look inside of him and find out who he is. The reason he sent Jesus and the reason Jesus left and the reason the Holy Spirit came is so that God's Spirit could dwell on the inside of us and that we can know all that we desire to know about him. He goes on in verse 11, he says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, Unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So here is a very when people tell me that there's only so much you can know about God, it totally takes First Corinthians chapter two completely out of the equation. And I want to ask myself, what do you do when you read that chapter? Do you just rip it out of your Bible and throw it away? Do you just choose to overlook it? I don't know, but this is telling me that I can know God. I can know everything about him. And not only can I know about him, but his spirit can be in me. And I can be alive. 
I'm not just existing. So let's, let's swing back to Acts. Reminds me of the old scripture scrambles. Y'all remember those? Get the gold star or whatever. In verse 30, he, talks, he uses this word. Um, it says, at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now, I know that when we think about repent, we th- me, I'll just tell you what comes to mind initially, is coming to an altar or a piece of furniture and just bawling your eyes out and trying to remember every sin that you have ever committed. That's what religion will teach you. To try to remember every little thing that you did wrong and try to hope you didn't miss anything. Because if you did, you're still going to go to hell. But repenting actually means this, uh, and I'll give you the Greek word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. And it really means this, to think differently. Now, trust me, I've told God I'm sorry for a lot of things, and I'm in it. I'm not saying that it's wrong to do that, okay? I'm just saying that repenting is not just trying to play this game of sin and ask God to forgive you. It's about beginning to change the way you think. It's, it's, it's about coming alive on the inside that God's Spirit is on you. And believe it or not, you can go a whole day without sinning. And people will say, you know, especially when you start talking about um, uh, eternal security, people will say, you're just trying to give people a license to sin. And I'm like, they don't need no license. They're doing a real good job without one. I mean, people are, it's just by nature. that you. But here's the thing, it's not about... Has my good outweighed my bad? The, the issue is, have I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord? Have, do I believe that he is the Son of God? Do I believe that God raised him from the dead? And the answer to that is yes. And because of that, I'm going to start thinking the way he thinks. And that's how we become alive. Because when you just try to let the good outweigh the bad, that becomes really daunting. And it's just existing. When God wants you to be alive. And this think differently is really where I felt like uh, when I was in prayer this morning that God really uh, wanted me to, um, I use the word hone, really dial in on him. Uh, and it was this, this is what he uh, gave me uh, in my office when I got here this morning was when I am in him, I do not have to subject myself to the ideas, character, an outlook that the unbelieving world has. I don't have to subject myself to those things. I may be in this world. We say this so many times. I may be in this world, but I am not of this world. Okay? So when I'm in, but here's the key, in him. You can't get outside of him. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. If you're not doing what God's Word says to do in your life, you're not running into Him. You are running out. And it's not that God's trying to strike you down with some, de- some disease and punish you for your disobedience. When you get out away from the strong tower, you're subjecting yourself. It ain't God doing it. It ain't even the devil doing it. Hey, the devil by nature wants to kill you. That's his number one job. 
is he just wants to kill you. He wants, and if he can't kill you, he wants you to taste just as, just as much hell as possible on earth. But when you run out of the tower is when you start running into all these things. God, why don't you love me? If you're such a good God, why are all these bad things happening to me? The better question you need to be saying is, am I running into that tower? Am I running into that safe place? But anyways, I'm not subject to the ideas, character, and outlook that the unbelieving world has. Romans 10 and 17, we quote this all the time. But there was a conversation that I had this week, and God brought this to my spirit. And we know that Romans 10 17 says, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I was talking to a gentleman this week, and he said, my dad always told me I was worthless. And he said, I really grew up believing that. And this verse hit me, faith comes by hearing. What you really believe on the inside is what you are consistently listening to, whether that's good or whether that's bad. That's why I'm saying when the ideas, the character, and the outlook this unbelieving world has, if that's what you're listening to and that's what's playing in your ear, that's what you're going to start believing. But when you stay in him, let's, let's stay in him, we're going to realize that, hey, um, I've got to change what I'm listening to. We're going to get to a verse here in just a little bit. But no matter even if it's my father, my earthly father, that is saying things negatively about me does not mean that I have to believe that. That's not the truth because that's not what God's word says to me. God's word says that he loved me so much that he gave his son for me. That's a powerful love. You're not worthless. You develop what you believe by what consistently plays in your ear. When we are in him, all that changes, and we start saying what God says about us and the situation we may be facing. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down. That word actually means to destroy with violence. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that means even thoughts that you might have about yourself. There may be some people in here today that you've heard so much negativity about yourself, maybe from parents, maybe from friends, maybe from your coworkers, whatever the case may be. You've heard so many negative things that you're believing that that's true. And I believe that God put all this together today to help you to realize that that's a lie. And that you need to be alive because his word says you can cast that down. Because that's not what he says about you. He loved you so much he gave his son for you. And that is a, that is a heavy love. Because I can sit here and say, I do not know that I could give my son for the, his life for any person in this building today. I don't know that I could do that. I'm going to go ahead and say I can't do that. I wouldn't do that. But because of, of God and his great love for us, you are worth something or he would not have allowed your son to go to the cross and go through and endure what he went through on your behalf. So when you have these images of yourself or maybe even images of situations that you're going through, 
we have to develop this mindset is, hey, wait a minute. These things that I'm hearing in my head that don't line up with the word, that don't line up with who I am, I have got to violently destroy these things. Whether that's getting off into a corner, whether that's going into another room, whether that's going in the woods and screaming to the top of your lungs, that is not what God's word says about me. That is not what God's word says about my situation. And I'm going to cast that down. Because that goes against the knowledge of the one that I'm saying that, that, I have the, that I'm of his lineage. That I have his character. But here's, the, here's where I want to shift gears here. This was another powerful thing that God really, I mean, he was burning it into my spirit yesterday. If you look in verse 5, and he says, And everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and it gives this, and bringing into captivity... Now, I I highlighted that because God began to show me this. There are some things that are not instant. So when we are bringing things into captivity, sometimes that may not mean that I'm going to feel better about it instantly. But I have got to start. This is what the Lord really dealt with me, and I almost titled it, the, the message this, We have to start the process. You've got to start the process. I was thinking so much about um, New Year's resolutions. Anybody ever made one of those? I'm not saying they're altogether bad. But what's the number one thing? Lose weight. Well, you know the ideal thing would be for all that weight to fall off tomorrow. Right? Wouldn't that be easier? I think I could stick to that resolution, don't you? But we all know it's a process. It takes time. You got to start changing how you think about food. You got to start changing what you think about exercise. You got to start changing what you think about sleeping. You got to start changing all these things. And I'm going to tell you why people get burnt out is they want it to happen tomorrow. And they will go on these crash diets that will starve their self to, I'm almost to death. I saw a guy the other day, and I hadn't seen him in a long time, and he used to be this well-fit, uh, muscled-up guy. And I'm telling you, he w- the best way I know how to describe it, he was anorexic. I could see his skeleton. And he, I thought, man, that's, um, you know, that's the way that some people, they, and I don't know why they think that looks good. That's, that's not a good look. Uh, but going back to what I was talking about, we want, sometimes we want these things to happen instantly or we want them to happen tomorrow. But the really, when we look at in, things inside the Word of God, we're going to see that what God wants to do is bring us into things. He's bringing us into things. And some things are not instant. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24, it said, God said this, Rise up. Take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have given unto thy hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. He said this, begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Now notice, he didn't tell him just go in and possess it. He said begin to possess it. So this is the area when we're talking about not just what other people are saying about us, 
but also sometimes in our situations. And there's, I think it'd be safe to say that there probably is a, a big number of people that you've got things in your life that you would like for God to start turning around. And we're waiting on God, and really what God is saying is, I'm really waiting on you. Um, I'm just saying, don't get into the mental trap that I've got to change this tomorrow. I need to begin the process. I've got to start the process. Starting the process of possessing one day at a time. Because today is the only day that you can actually do anything about. You can't go back into yesterday and you can't go into tomorrow. The only thing that you can do is about right now. I expected a lot more amens than that. And there's some people in here today, I know that through my prayer time and the time that I've spent with the Lord and what God has shown me this week, is there are people in here today you've become frustrated. We talked about Patience Wednesday. Because people are wanting to change big things in their life and they're wanting it to happen right now. And I'm not saying God can't do miracles. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there are some things that God calls us to start the process of changing one day at a time, one step at a time. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and 11, Jesus said this, Give us this day our daily bread. See, a lot of people will say, I want to know what I'm going to eat for the rest of my life. And that would be ideal, would it not? But the thing is this, all I need to focus on is today. All I need to focus on right now, the only thing, we're going to get to some scriptures where the master told us to take no thought for tomorrow. To think about today. Quit thinking about eating tomorrow and thank God for the food you have right now. You might say, John, they're going to turn my power off tomorrow. But do you have power today? I don't know where the gas is going to come to put in my vehicles in the middle of the week. Do you got gas today? That's the thing. Tomorrow, here's the thing. Tomorrow may not get here. Rapture of the church could take place and people would be like, I spent all that time worrying about this and that. I'm telling you, God is saying, take a break and trust me. He said, I will, you know, the same word that his character that we read when he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He did not say that because he needed to put something on that page. He said that because that's the reality. And I know I've been where you are. You're saying, are you sitting there telling me right now not to worry? Yes. But I've even told myself this before. If I could flip that switch, I'd flip it. Well, here's the thing. You begin the process of not worrying. I'd, you know, worry, worrying is a choice, but sometimes that feeling of worry, the spirit of, I'm going to call it a spirit of worry, is gnawing at you, right? It's in your ear, and you're quoting Bible verses, <laughs> but it's still in your ear, but you've got to keep fighting. You've got to start violently Casting those things down, crushing those thoughts through the word of God, not just power thinking. That's what a lot of people, I'm going to power think this away. 
No, you're going to get inside the Word of God. There's a lot of people that did not come here today that missed about 30 minutes of relieving themselves from all the worries of life. <laughs> when, when worship was going on, I wasn't thinking, what's for dinner after, after service? Or uh, what, what are we going to do about this and that tomorrow? Because you know what? Here's the thing. Tomorrow may not get here. I may wake up tomorrow in heaven. And let's, let's go to some scripture because I can tell y'all are like, okay, that doesn't sound like faith, John. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, there's nowhere in there, the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not promoting let's all die today. That's not what I'm promoting. But I'm saying, hey, look, um, just because I may fail in some areas doesn't mean I'm, in, I'm not in faith. I'm going to say that again. Just because I might fail in some areas does not mean I'm not in faith. The only time that I'm not in faith anymore is when I quit. You can't quit. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We're already there. Let's skip on down to verse 25. He says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. <laughs> and people say, yeah, right. Jesus said this, what you shall eat, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Now, when he says take no thought there, what he is saying is take no anxious thought. Okay? I'm not saying don't make plans to pay your power bill next week. That's not what I'm saying. But if it's not, if you can't see it in the natural there's nowhere that God said, start fretting or start worrying. Because life is more than the power bill. Hey, I like air conditioning too. But if it, if it quits working and I don't have the money to fix it right now, I'm not going to die. You're not going to die. If you have to drive that old truck for another six months, it's not going to kill you. You need to be thanking God for the one you got to drive. And I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> and I'm going to get to some other things here that's really going to upset the apple cart here in a little bit. Because it upset mine. I figure it'll upset everybody's. <laughs> Verse 26, it says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. <laughs> Neither do they reap. They ain't clocking in, are they? They don't have a 401k plan. Uh, their, their daddy didn't leave them no inheritance. Uh, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Me and Ellie saved a baby rabbit yesterday from getting ate by some crows. But I thought to myself, what if I rob them of the meal God provided for them? I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't let them eat that baby rabbit. That just, boy, made me mad. I was looking for my gun. I didn't have it with me. Verse 27. Y'all needed to laugh. I could tell. I needed to. <laughs> Verse 27. It says, which of you by, th oh, this is so good. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? I, you know, I'd tell you to worry if it worked. It don't work. Did you know worrying will kill you? Did you know that's why the enemy brings it to your doorstep? Because he knows it won't just rob you of living and thinking. It'll, it will kill you physically. There have been people that have checked out early in life because they worry too much. 
Is, is that worth uh, battling against? Is that worth starting the process of getting that out of your life? Yeah. I think it is. And why take you thought for raiment? Now, I'm not cons- I am not promoting nakedness. <laughs> but if I ran out of clothes, um, you're not going to die. If you have to go and buy some clothes at the garage sale this week, it's not going to kill you. I'm not saying live that way. I'm not saying settle for that. But if that's where I'm at right now, big deal. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm healthy. I turned 48 last month. No medications. I don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying I'm against the doctors, but why go if you don't need to go? They say, well, you need to go get a checkup. I'm thinking, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm, I know they're saying some things I need to do, and I just ain't too crazy about going and letting them do it, Bo. But uh, <laughs> but I'm thinking, you know what? There's a lot worse things in life that, that people have to endure than other than... Uh, I don't even know what popular, I don't know, I, I buy my clothes at whatever's on sale, I don't know. I don't know a popular brand is what I'm trying to say. But uh, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. They're not, like I said about the, the, the birds, uh, they're not clocking in. They don't have a 401k plan. And God takes care of them. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? God's got clothes for you out there. He's got food for you out there. He's, he's going to take care. And then we're going to get to another something here in just a minute, that he's not just wanting you... The reason he doesn't want you to worry about these is because these are things that he's promised for for you. The cover you have, the clothes you have, the food you have to eat, he said right here that he's already provided that for you. Therefore, take no thought saying, take no anxious thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or whether withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now that Gentiles is unbelievers. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. There's only one first. There's no second first. There's only one first. And Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he makes this very bold promise. And all these things shall be added unto you. Well, the world will say this, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And as a stock of God, of the lineage of God, I could say, uh, wait a minute. He said this, that if I seek him first, that everything that I need be added to me. We ought to be shouting hallelujah. We ought to be dancing across the tops of the pews on that. We ought to be just excited about this as a song he brought me back to life. That's a, that's a powerful promise. So whenever I come to a situation in life and things are looking bleak, what should I be saying? What are we going to do? Seek God first. 
forget about it. Dave Vaughn, uh, Keith Moore's associate pastor, said this. He said, I know I'm in faith when I forget about it. Forget about it. Take a break. Smile and rest your face. Did you know it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile? That's the truth. Take, give your face a break and smile and know that, hey, God's already promised to give you. Has anybody ever in here went hungry? Uh, well, I'm going to say this. Forget about everybody else. I'm going to throw me under the bus. I've never went hungry a day in my life unless it was my own choosing. I've never went without clothes a day in my life. Maybe unless it was my own choosing. <laughs> I've never went without shelter unless it was my own choosing. God has kept, I'm going to tell you, I can't speak for everybody else, but I can speak for me. God has kept his word to me. And if he's kept his word, why should I start worrying now? Worrying will not fix yesterday or tomorrow, but it will ruin your today. And I'm going to say this and try to close. You've, would anybody like to know how to stop worrying? A couple of you? Well, this is what I've found. One of the best ways that you can begin the process of getting worry out of your life is tithing and sowing. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. That word host there actually means power. He's the Lord of power. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Here's a great promise in tithing, is that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there wouldn't be room enough to receive it. Has anybody ever moved? And you're like, where did all this stuff come from? <laughs> I forgot I had that. And I, every time we move, I always think about Malachi chapter 3 and uh, verse uh, 10. I've got stuff mailing that I don't even, I forgot I had it. Where can I give this away? Who can I give this to? Because I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even remember having this. Multiple, multiple things of the same thing. I mean, how many uh, wrenches do you need of the same size? How many circular saws can you possibly use? How many compound bows can you shoot at one time? How many guns can you shoot at one time? How many vehicles can you drive all at one time? How many clothes can I wear all at one time? How much food can I possibly eat all in one day? God has been good to us. And don't mistake paying your tithes from sowing. Because when he said he'd rebuke the devourer, uh, he can't rebuke the devourer for a devourer can't devour something that's not the ground. That went over about as well as it went over when I heard it. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6. 
It says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, a lot of people take that as a threat, but we as sowers, we take this as a promise, right? Verse 8, it says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting. Verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, so we should exercise what? Patience. The P word. Patience. For in due season, (laughs) we shall reap, and I wish it stopped there, if we faint not. And I love verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If you want to get worrying off of your back, look around and say, Lord, who in here needs what I've got? And I'm going to say this about sowing seed. You need to sow in good ground. Um, I can throw my seed under the porch, but chances are it's probably not going to grow very well. I've got to put it in fertile soil. Let me tell you what fertile soil is. It's always with God. Fertile soil is people. I'm going to say fertile soil is people. Now, I'm not always saying, you know, I know we got the people on the street corners. I'm not saying give. Now, if the Lord leads you to do that, by all means do it. I'm not, I'm not interested in telling you what to do with your money. But I'm saying this, who we give to really does matter as well. Um, there's one in particular family here, and if you want to know who they are, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards, they're good ground sowing to. Because the last two times I have given to them, God has absolutely blessed my socks off. <laughs> and I, I'm just going to tell you, because where, where I come from and in my life, uh, this sowing and reaping and stuff was like, well, it's probably a spiritual matter. But the fact of the matter is this here. Um, I got to noticing that, you know, we would give things and then God would start giving things to us. Um, I felt, I'm just going to tell you, can I, can I tell you uh, what's happened in my life? I, I'm trying to be as open as I can without being weird. Um, and I'm not trying to let my, you know, left hand know what my right hand's doing in this. But, you know, as, as ministers, we have to give examples and Nobody really volunteers their stories to me to tell, so I have to tell my own. But there was one in particular family, I just felt the Lord impressed uh, last week to give them some money to go out to eat. I don't know why, I just felt, Lord, I just want to bless them. And I didn't think anything else about it. I just gave it, and I was just happy to give. I, you know, I, I look at it this way, I'd rather be on this end than the other end needing I got a call Friday, and a guy said, I need you to come to my house. He gave me three, I'm talking about the old IGA grocery store sacks. You know which ones I'm talking about? The brown ones? Full of every cut of beef that you could possibly think of. Hundreds of dollars. And the Lord reminded me, Galatians chapter 6.
He kept his word to me. And I'm saying that not to pump up my heels, but I'm saying, look, God's word is, is true and it's real. And what's going to help you, I'm, tr- I'm trying to close. What is going to help you is when you do these principles inside the word of God, you've got, this, is, this has really been the thing that has helped me the most. Take your feelings and throw them out the window. Speak against them, quote scriptures, get in words, do all that stuff. But when those feelings come to the side, just say, get out. Or, you know, get out, and I'm still feeling it, big deal. I'm going to keep sowing, feeling whatever I'm feeling. You've got to rise above those feelings. You've got to rise up against yourself, and you've got to begin to cast those things down. And you've got to begin to work those things out of your life. And one of the greatest things to do is know, I said all that to all this to say this, if you know you've got a harvest coming, what's to worry about? If you know you've got seed in the ground... And you know God's word is true. There's nothing to worry about. It's just when this is the right season, it'll happen. I believe it was Billy had said about Joe Nay. There's some people suddenly that took a long time to get there. But you know what? When it happens, you're not thinking about how long it took and all that stuff. You're just thankful. But I just want to encourage you today, when you get in him... And you quit thinking like the rest of the world thinks and what they're telling you to think. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we start thinking according to what God's Word says. And we start putting these, not just thinking and saying, but put these principles into practice and rise against your feelings and stay in Him and not be thinking about tomorrow. Quit thinking about yesterday. Man, if, if I could invent a time machine and go back, I'd be a millionaire. Because people would pay a lot of money to be able to go back and change those things. But you can't do that. And you can't go in tomorrow and do anything about tomorrow. Now certainly there are decisions you can make today that can affect your tomorrow. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying don't spend time fretting and worrying over things that you don't even know if that day is going to get here. Would you stand? I hope that encouraged you. <laughs> I hope you walked away with your you know, intestines unclenched. Relax, take a break. (laughs) Go home and rest. Go home and enjoy your family. Go home and enjoy the day. And rest knowing that God said this, that if we seek him first, do you believe that? Are you going to do it? All right. Father, we thank you that we're not just hearers of the word, we're doers of the word. And Father, we're going to begin the process, God, of eliminating worry and anxiety and stress out of our life. Father, we know that these things might come at us, but we don't have to receive those things. We're going to cast down those things that come against your knowledge, Lord. And we're just going to start that process. We're going to begin that process. And Father, it may happen tomorrow, but if it doesn't happen tomorrow, uh, Lord, we're just going to keep on moving on. Because we can't do anything about yesterday, we can't do anything about tomorrow, but we're going to do today so our tomorrow will be better. And that you're giving everybody, Father, this, this word. And they're not just hearing it with their ears. But, God, it's entering into their heart. And God is going to begin to manifest in their life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.